This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's Swindon Town. Hello, Ryan. Good morning, Rich. For, well, we thought it might be the last time, last time out, didn't we? But it's not. We're in the playoffs. Welcome to the playoff presser. Oh, the playoff presser. Yeah, it's it's definitely not the final presser now. It's definitely at least one more after this and maybe another one after that. And that would be great because we'd be talking about Wembley. But before that, we're talking about Port Vale. Oh, what a week it's been, Ryan. A week where you, you know it's the playoffs where two sets of fans bicker about who's better and who can fill a stand quicker. <laughs> Well, it's been a fine example of echo chambers and things like that for Port Vale fans who who stayed overnight to queue for yeah, their tickets. And I don't think at end of play yesterday, they'd sold out, bless them. Um, I say bless them not in a patronising way, just in a, you know, Twitter would have made you think that would have sold out in 15 minutes. Yeah. And they wanted their tickets and they got them and good for them and but the most important thing is going to be two full stadiums and that is all you need exactly that this um well swindon fans have really been blessed with great away support and also really good home support this season so you know the last few home games whereby they've been almost well bangana touched in his press conference where he said they, they were almost kind of playoff matches in themselves whereby we had to win you know, to keep this this dream of reaching the playoffs going, they were they were incredible atmospheres in, in a couple of those matches. So, 
you know, it shouldn't be too different with the Swindon players, but of course, going away to a ground whereby it is packed out, you've got an echo of Swindon and Port Vale fans will only make things better. And I can't wait for it. I'll be making the trip up for the for the rare away outing this season as well. Ah, look at that. Jumping on the hype train, are we? Well, it's the playoffs, isn't it? It's the second leg. I, I, I couldn't... I, I Well, I had to make the argument to my boss that, you know, I need to go cover this game and... Uh, She's absolutely fine with it. So yeah, fingers crossed that we do that, and then and then on to better things in London, hopefully. But we won't mention the W word just yet. No, please let us not. I hear you know on the proverbial grapevine that last night there were only about two hundred and fifty tickets left for the Swindon away trip to Port Vale, which, considering Thursday night trains rubbish is insanely good. It's a couple of different ways to look at it. You'd think that we'd sold out tenfold over uh, with the amount of kind of uh, chasing for tickets that I've seen going on on social media. Um, well, it's not gone on general sale yet. So, well, you know. there we go then. Rich just yeah. summed it up in, in one quick point. I would say about the travel though, yeah, you mentioned train that I'm actually going to drive up. So I've got a nice two hour, 45 minute drive ahead of me, which will be great. But the benefit is, is that two of my friends who are big Swin Town fans and followed them, Home and away, they've got a free lift, so that works nicely for them. Get the petrol money, Ryan. Get the <laughs> petrol money. Come on. Have you seen the prices these days? Yes, I'll make sure I do. Don't you worry. I'll have a I might even install one of those little taxi fare uh, ride long meters. Um, just <laughs> <laughs> Well, here we are then, the playoffs. One of my favorite things. Um if the Americans have given us many things in sports and we get a bit sniffy about, I think the playoffs is something that complements the EFL really, really well. And when you consider, you know, Swindon finished sixth, you know, that's not top three, top four. So, you know, our season is dead if it's not for the playoffs, but it's still alive and kicking. And I love them. Do you know how many playoff campaigns we've had, including this one? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm going to have a guess. I'm going to say five. Oh, it's nine. Nine. Wow. That's nine. Yeah. How many have actually ended in promotion? Oh, well, yeah, I don't like the wording of that. So <laughs> the answer <laughs> the answer is two. So the first one the first one we had um the then so we beat Ginningham. Yeah. In I'm going to say 87 when we beat Ginningham mm-hmm. at Selhurst Park. Then we lost in the semi-finals to Crystal Palace, and that was oh, that was in 1989. They had Wright and Bright up front. We won the first leg, but you know can't compete with that. Then we were successful in 1990, but we were demoted, weren't we? So Anna McLaughlin's big moment. So in the town's big moment, what a side that would have been in the old Division One with people like John Gittins, David Kersley, Duncan Shearer, Steve White still coming to the end of his career, but he would have been far more useful. It could have been something. Then Glenn Hoddle took us up in 1993. Then we had a sabbatical for quite a few years, about 11 years, wasn't it? Until we returned to the playoffs where we had that dark dark day at the Dean, where we lost to Brighton in the semi-finals in the most heartbreaking fashion. And then comes the Wembley loss against Millwall, then a dramatic penalty loss at Brentford. Boy, how our history would be different if that would have gone um, our way. I guess you can say that for all the big misses. And then we had... The last one, the disaster at Wembley in 2015. Uh, the 5-5, obviously, is what it's famous for, but the dismantling of us by Preston North End hurt 
And seven years on, I'm really hoping we can, um, you know, make amends to that 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 day. But we still got to get past Port Vale. And um, this was a presser done on Saturday morning. Kind of standard, really, wasn't it? It wasn't yeah, a busy press conference. It, it wasn't bells and whistles, was it? You know, I expected it to be probably a lot, a lot busier than what it was. If we have anything to go off, the last big game that we really had for a press conference was, of course, the Manchester City game. Um, and they were all interested for the Man City angle, which is to be expected. But I, I probably expected a few more members of the press today in the press conference. But that being said, um, you know, our trusty trio, I should say, of myself, Andrew Hodge and Johnny Leefield, uh, were all there switched on and present. And we had a good old chat with Ben Garner, which we'll, we will dissect to pieces in this podcast. Shall we do it now? Let's go through this then. Who's injured? No one. Brilliant. That's what we love to hear, isn't it? That's the quickest answer of the day, really. No one uh, has picked up any new injuries. Rob Hunt and Jordan Lydon are both progressing well. Don't get your hopes up. Neither will be available for the playoffs, regardless of if we get to Wembley or not. Rob Hunt, very, 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 and I I mean very small chance of of being available for the playoffs if we get into that final situation. Um, But it's... It's a good. It's good on that front. Jojo Wallacott is back, fully fit, no injuries there. Um, so that gives Ben Garner a massive selection dilemma to address. Um, he said Jojo's progressed well back in full training, and and he's not had any further issues with injuries, which is great news. Yeah, we're not going to go into it too much, but Garner will be off his rocker if he if he ditches Lewis Ward now, wouldn't he? You can't see him doing it, can you? It would be madness. To, well, I say it would be madness. You know, sometimes probably say Wallacott's the better keeper still, and, and always he is. heart back to the fact. Yeah, he is. He is, um, and always heart back to the fact that play your best keeper in the biggest moments. But Swindon's best run of the season has come with Lewis Ward playing well. So absolutely, you know, you have to take that into account as well. I, I think Ward will start. So here we go. I'm going to enjoy the playoffs. I think they're great. Um, I, I understand why. You know, I was nine the last time we were successful in the playoffs and it was, you know, great, but I don't even think as a nine year old, I really appreciated it as much as I could if I was a little bit older. So when you think of all the generations that have come after me and, you know, I'm only 38, you know, the playoffs don't necessarily represent anything but misery um, for, for certain areas of demographics of this, of this support of this fan base. So, you know, I enjoy them. I don't know if if that's the majority consensus now, but what did Garner say about enjoying the playoffs? Well, he touched on it kind of a little bit later on in the press conference as well, but his initial thoughts are that he just said it's important to enjoy the good moments in in football. Um, And you have to enjoy those moments because he said, I I enjoyed it and the players enjoyed obviously getting into the playoffs at Warsaw, but it was only for a very short movement. And then we move on, refocus and set that new target again because there's no point of get into the playoffs and then kind of celebrating all that and then not going any further than that. It doesn't really account for anything whatsoever. Uh, so that was Ben Garner's point of view. Yes, enjoy it. But we, we, we're now kind of at an even more important stage of the season, which brings with it much more pressure. Um, I'm similar to you, Rich. I'm, I'm very looking forward to these playoffs because it's the first time I've experienced anything like this. You know, of course, covered Swindon for a while now. We had that champion season under Richie Wellens, which ended in COVID curtailing the season. And and for the rest of my time in, in football, of course, I've been a Man United fan, used to watching us just win titles and and not really ever have this excitement. So I'm buzzing for it, I have to be honest. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, it's it it really I, I can't 
I've been thinking about it a lot recently. I've been I've been quite ill this week, which has resulted in a few things being cancelled in relation to the pod. So I apologize for that. But you know, a lot of the time when when we finished against Walsall, a lot of people were saying, Oh, if we would have if we would have beaten Orient then we would have gone up automatically, you know, and if we would have beaten X, Y, Z, if we didn't drop points here. But at the same time, I think to myself, if Dion Conroy hadn't scored that late, late winner against Oldham, if Ben Gladwin hadn't scored that late, late equaliser against Crawley, you know, we could have ended up just outside the playoffs. So it's a magnificent achievement that we're there. We're playing a team that have been up there in the automatics. If we talk about the 46-game season, Port Vale have been in the top three for 15 of those match weeks, you know. Mm -hmm. So they, they... you know, they've had the rougher end of the tail end of the season compared to us just getting over the line. We had to win those last four games to stand any chance. Remember we, us talking about the misery yeah. of yeah. finishing outside the playoffs on, on 77 points. It, it, it was so close for Swindon and yet we're walking into these playoffs with a magnificent vibe around the place. Which, which is what we need. Now, playoffs are a bit like FA Cup finals for, for a lot of clubs in the sense that they like to spice things up. I don't know, send their players paintballing or send them to a, a contact for a shooting practice with a Premier League coach or something like that. But Ben Garner doesn't strike me as the sort of person to do that business as usual. No, he's not. Well, we how many times this season have we heard the... Um, kind of consistent approach and keeping that consistency in the team. And it's very much the same for Swindon Town in the playoff picture as well. Uh, He said they gave him a little bit of a longer rest. Players had two days rest uh, just due to the fact that Swindon don't play uh, until Sunday. Um, And then he said it's been been a really normal week, though. The players have looked sharp, hungry, and it has been the perfect week so far. Later on in the press conference, he did tell us in in response to one of our questions, um, you'll actually hear, hear him, Ben Garner, tell us. But he said that, you know, it's actually been a case of some players have had that much energy about them um, that they've had to step in and rein it in just a little bit. Of course, you can imagine the worst thing would have been players getting too excited and, and going flying into challenges. Next thing you know, you have a, uh, about three players out injured. Mm, yeah, we don't want that. Please relax, Swindon Town. <laughs> None of that. Um, it's it's a nice dip into two legs. There was a question that about the fact that this is a two-legged game. Mm. I know how this is going to go. Some it's going to be it's going to go tight. It's going to be a tight result first, a narrow win or a draw in the first leg, I predict, and then chaos in the second leg. <laughs> That's what I'm going to go for. But what what did Garner have to say about the fact that this was a, a two leg game? Well, Ben Garner has been very vocal about this in the build up to getting into the playoffs. Even I remember he kept saying us that you know. The playoffs is a completely different situation once you're in there. It's, it's, a, it's a different scenario. Things change all the time. Um, but his approach is win both games. And, and it's a very simple approach, which is, you know, some fans might think and say, oh, that's a bit risky. But Ben Garner said it's about winning both games. Tomorrow we will attack and win the game. And then that'll be the same on Thursday, regardless of tomorrow's results. So Swindon could have gone and win 3-0 tomorrow. And then they'll play exactly the same attacking style of football. Um, away next Thursday as well. We're going to score as many goals as we can, try and win the games, and we're very much focused on starting well tomorrow and coming out with a positive result, he said. So Yeah, I support that message. <laughs> I think that's, you know, I, I'm sure probably what he says to us and what he actually thinks is a little bit different. I can't imagine if Swindon Town are 
a three nil up, like I said, following this weekend, they're going to go to th- on into Thursday, wanting to play exactly the same type of open football and leaving himself a bit more vulnerable. But that's what he's told us anyway. Yeah, the iconic game uh, football manager did uh, their predictions and had Swindon losing on penalties. So is it about time we boycotted that game? <laughs> I don't play that game anyway. And I, I'd say it's all a bit uh, fun nowadays, isn't it? For people to try and see what happens. You can't predict what's going to happen. Um, but I'll give you my prediction in a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, I'll go back on my word. <laughs> Garner was asked about Swindon's best away records. Yeah. So the explanation behind this is, is Swindon and Port Vale have the best away record in the league. So it very much does that cancel out the home advantage because, of course, you know, Swindon haven't been the best at home. They've improved massively over the second half of the season, but they've not been the best and Vale have been great on their own. And likewise, in it, at Vale Park, you know, Swindon have done brilliantly this season and Port Vale haven't done that well at home at times. Um but Bengarn doesn't really think it'll have too much of a difference. He said, look, what, what we will see what happens, but I don't think anything that has happened in the league season will have any bearing on the playoffs. We have the benefit of being in a knockout position already, having to win every game to get into the playoffs. So really, like I said previously, Swintown have always been on kind of this playoff push recently. I do disagree. I, you know, I think part of that is probably just saying it to try and get ready for tomorrow. I do think form plays a massive impact on tomorrow and Port Vale on paper. They've not been great, have they? Lost to Newport, Warsaw, Bristol Rovers. Scraped to win against Hartlepool. Scraped that win against Exeter the other day. Scraped to win against Oldham even. So they've not been in that great run of form. But Bengal doesn't really think that's that important for tomorrow. Okay. Back to Swindon matters. And we'll talk about Port Vale again in just a moment. Gunnar was asked about both getting the best out of players and creating a culture at Swindon Town. Talk to me. It was... Ben Garner, we just really wanted to find out a little bit more about how he's been able to bring these players to Swindon Town, that their careers were probably at crossroads or they'd fallen out of love with the game. Uh, I know that Johnny Williams was using an example. Harry McCurdy's probably another good example that you could use. Um, even Jack Payne probably felt a little bit lost going into this season. And, and there's been players where Ben Garner's been able to turn them around and get them firing again. And he said, look, the secret here is you want players to have that excitement, but sometimes it can go too far and, you have to, and we have to kind of calm everyone down. He said, man management is key. Um, if you don't create a good environment, then you won't be successful. And he said, I could be the best technician and tactician in the world, but you need to create that culture where players can thrive, where they can be themselves, where they feel comfortable. And also he then touched on it a little bit later. And he just said, you know, every player that comes into the club, him and Ben Chorley have a conversation with them. They tell them how he sees them fitting into the football club. And then it's important to remind players why they love the game in the first place. And and we need to give them freedom to express themselves. A really good example is, like I said, Johnny Williams and Jack Payne. They have expressed to Ben Garner and the press that they like to play through the middle. But most of the time in their career, under certain managers, they've been played out wide and they've been shoved on the wing, which they, which they enjoy, but it's not their best position. But he says he's found the ability to play them in the middle and by letting them do what they want to do in some ways. Of course, he has to rein it in at times. Then he's got the best out of these players. I know, obviously, it's just what we see. But from speaking to Ben Garner this season and his approach to players, he seems to have a very modern-day, laid-back approach to dealing with players and, and kind of almost letting them or letting them think that they run the show at times. <laughs> as long as they don't. As long as they don't, eh? As long, well, I'm sure they don't. I'm sure they don't. Let's talk about... 
Port Vale because what a season they've had you know yeah. they're not here um this weekend just to make up the numbers they finished above Swindon you know and although by a point they still did they appointed Daryl Clark at the start of the season and for those who don't know he, he spent a large chunk of this calendar year away between February and I think he came back for the Exeter game so he will be in the dugout um, you don't go away for that long in football unless there's, there's very, very uh, real reason for that. So, you know, it's good to see him back in, in the role. Andy Crosby looked after them in between. And their season, they will have far more highlights than lowlights, but they're sort of defied by two patchy spells um, because if it wasn't for that, they'd be automatic promotion. There was a, a run of three losses in a row at the end of last year going into this year. and then. The big one was the tail end of this season. They were in the top three. It's crazy to think that when we dipped to our lowest place in the sea of the season, I think that was after game 42, we dipped to 11th and they just beat in Hartley poor way to, to, and they were third. And that's what only four games left of the season. And it's amazing what can happen, what damage or what greatness can be achieved in that in those final few games. So those final four games did not go to plan for Port Vale at all, as you've already mentioned, losing at home to Bristol Rovers, losing away to Walsall and at home to Newport County before the most unlikely of returns to form, beating Exeter City away, a game where Exeter City, had they won, they would have been champions of League Two. So that that's enough to plant the seed of you know we've got to respect Port Vale. I I, also, I was just gonna say on that, Rich. I also think it's yeah, it plants the seed, but it's also they've had some fall from grace, haven't they? I remember seeing tweets saying I think I can't remember. I think it must have been after the Newport game saying I can't wait to see Port Vale flunk this season with the best squad that they've had in years and <laughs> looking on course for promotion. Um, they nearly flunked it, didn't they? But they, they didn't quite. But sorry, to interrupt, I just want to say that you know I, I don't think that I don't think that their past season glories of, of being in great positions will will really count for much tomorrow going into this game. But I think that's the same for a lot of things. I think even Swindon's form going into this does that not also get put to the side because you know because it's over the 46 games are over now and now we are and then I know that everyone's saying I agree that every game that we've played for the last four or five have felt yeah. like playoff games but now we are in the playoffs they're not like playoff games now they are playoff they are games, playoff games yeah. it's it's a, it's a weird one isn't it what I would say about Swindon I'm not kind of play devil's advocate here saying you know Port Vale's previous successful results this season don't matter and Swindon's do but it's a little bit different in the sense that Whenever you look at the playoffs, and I've stressed this to Ben Garner for quite a few times this season, you always have a team that will go on a run just before the playoffs. And, you know, eight times out of ten, that is the team that then gets promoted because they have had that bounce of winning games and going into the playoffs on a run of form. Just like, you know, I'll, I'll go out and say that I think Northampton will lose to Mansfield over two legs because I think they're a team that are in a situation if they thought they were already automatically promoted, bar madness by... Bristol Rovers on the last day of the season. And it counts to the same thing whereby Swindon have been just winning games, grinding wins out, knowing that they have to win. And they're now, they're now on, a, on, a, on a rich run of form, their best run of form this season. And what a time what a time it came for them. I think it's a, it's a clean slate for the playoffs, but I'd rather be, I'd rather had Swindon's points record going into the playoffs than, 
than I would have Port Vale's. And if I was a Northampton fan, despite them having dropped only two points in their last five games, I'd be still, I'd still be very bitter about about that last game or confused and just hating football. Um, But we'll see what happens between them and Mansfield. There's only three points between Northampton and Mansfield. So it's, it's, it's as even a playoffs as we're likely to ever experience. I think, you know, there's usually one poor team that finishes like 12 points above the team in seventh or whatever and then they go and lose but it's very even I think all four teams in the playoffs will fancy themselves I really do if you want me to give you a quick analysis of playoffs Rich I think it will be I think Mansfield beat Northampton I think Swindon beat Port Vale and then who who bloody knows (laughs) I don't want to say anything else after that (laughs) yeah fair enough Um, Garner was asked about missing players yeah, it's, it's just a, I think really in many ways in this press conference, if I'm honest today, Rich, we were just trying to get more out of him going into the big game because, of course, that's what we want to do as journalists. We want to try and get as many key quotes as possible uh, going into a big game like this. But Ben Garner did seem a little bit more... No, there seemed a little bit more urgency of wanting to get this out of the way today. Um, and it was just really a point to him about the fact that, you know, you've lost players this season. How have you been able to get over that? And you said, look, there have been moments... You can't get disappointed when you lose your players for injury or loan recalls. You know, and this is some massive credit to the whole squad for all the contribu- contributions they have made this season. Really, just a nice little way for Ben Garner to 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 give some credit to his team for doing so well. Cool. Well, then the next question was about set piece defending, which we've not been red hot at. Um, so it was inevitable this is going to be discussed. Garner's not going to go, yeah, we're shoddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. You know, he's, he's not going to say that. So what did he, what did he well, say? Well, this was Johnny's question because jo- Johnny found out a really interesting stat that, you know, we couldn't find the exact position, but Swindon are in the top 10 for the worst set-piece defences uh, in the league this season in terms of the amount of goals that we've conceded from set-pieces, which doesn't fill you with confidence on the fact that Port Vale are one of the very best at doing that. Um, but of course, like you said, Ben Garner's not going to come out and say, yeah, we're, we're rubbish at it. Uh, he said, I'm really confident the first port of call is controlling the ball, limiting chances from open play and set pieces. And he said, we've prepared, prepared very well with four set pieces. And we're also doing more training today on set pieces as well. And they're really confident in this group because it, it led on nice to the next question. You know, Swindon have got a host of players about five foot nine and under, um, which <laughs> which isn't the biggest team by any stretch of the imagination in this division. It's not, I, I actually think it's the smallest in the division. Um, but he said, you know, the way we go about dealing with Vale's physicality and, and their height advantages, we have to impose our game. We play the way we play and we won't go away from those principles. Very much the way Swindon have played in the last four games. You know, it was knockout football. And Swindon showed the resilience to see those games out. They played their own style and and they've been able to show that they can... They can do the the nice, attractive football. They can also play the, the nitty-gritty football times in order to grind out a win. Doesn't matter if it goes in or not. You just know in one of these legs, we're going to concede a free kick in the worst of places in about the fourth minute of injury time. No matter what happens, you know we're going to just give away a needless foul. And um, Ever the pessimistic, aren't you, Rich? No, it's not even pessimistic. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to be scored, but you just know it's going to happen. Oh, yeah, it will. It'll be, um, it'll be some some really silly dive or, or some like challenge when it's not needed and hearts in your mouth for 30 seconds. Right. <laughs> yeah, all right, we'll be okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, Port Vale, their lineup will 
probably be Aidan Stone in goal, three at the back, Nathan Smith, Aaron Martin, Connor Hall, uh, James Gibbons, Tom Pett, Ben Garrity, and probably Mal Benning, replacing former Swindon Loney, Chris Hussey, who went off injured against Exeter. Um, James Wilson, who's their main man, will play just off Ryan Edmondson, maybe, and Jamie Proctor. That was their lineup against Exeter, and it's a bit like Swindon. It's most likely to stay that way if, if injuries aren't a factor. So, uh, I mean, I don't really know much about the players. They're all names that I recognise. A lot of those are proper League One, League Two, been there, done that. But they're, they're meant to be quite a physical team. Well, that's that's. I, I've not, I've not watched much of Port Vale this season. I've just heard that they're kind of, you know, and from the highlights that you've seen, they are. T- they're a tall team, is what I would say. You know, they have some big lads in there that like to throw their weight around at times and. And sometimes that's been Swindon Towns and doing in many games. I don't. I don't think it'll be that that way. Um, you you touched on lineups. There. I think Swindon will stay exactly the same as they were against Warsaw. There was a little bit of conversation from Bengana that when Newport beat Port Vale, they played five at the back, and Swindon and Newport played very very similar styles of football. Um, but Newport played five at the back and managed to get a win where they played a lot of counter-attacking football at the game. So I'm, I'm just slightly wondering the fact that he referenced that. Maybe Ben Garner's showing his hand a little bit or playing games. I, I, I think on I think on the whole kind of, you know, just looking at an overview of things, I, I, I think that Swindon would be probably a bit reckless to change anything, wouldn't you, given this run of form we've gone on? You know, it's all psychology, isn't it? It's, it's like trying to outmaneuver your opponent and if he thinks five at the back is the way to go then then so be it I mean we just have someone's got to leave the lineup for what I imagine would be Jacob Bryan yeah it's yeah I guess I don't yeah like you said Rich it's mind games isn't it it's very kind of who can outshine who on the on the biggest managerial stage that the league has to offer um yeah you know, what I would hope, though, is that Ben Garner, despite the fact he's bored, he doesn't take any inspiration from Pep Guardiola because we could see a situation in the playoffs whereby, you know, we end up with someone like Ricky Aguilar playing at centre-back and Matthew Baudry up top because, you know, that's the type of throwaway tactic he likes to do. But enough of my slate in the Manchester City, of course. Sorry. There's no need for it. I just saw an opening where the fact that I could reference two bored people. That was it. <laughs> yeah, no need. No need. I don't endorse that message at all. That's all you, right? <laughs> Before we get to your questions, there was a message to the fans from Ben Garner. Of course there is. There's always a message to the fans. And and, and rightly Behave. so. No, no, rightly so, I was going to say, because, you know, they, there needs to be as much of a connection made between this team and the fans going into these games because... Really, you know, I think we've seen it in the last probably few home games whereby the importance of the fans is, is clear for everyone to see and Swindon play their better football when they have that 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 support. And he said, look, I I don't want to calm any of the fans down, he said. He said he wants, Ben Garner wants fans to have that excitement, have that anticipation for the game. These are great moments and you have to have, have this opportunity from where, you know, we were in the summer. It's brilliant for supporters in the club. So just enjoy it and please make as much noise as you can, he said. I've, I've had a couple of tweets already messaging me saying, we need to save our voices for tomorrow. Um, I would say that's very, very true. Look, this is this is a, a monumental occasion and it, it could be a fairy tale season for Swindon Town. Some people might say it's only the League 2 playoffs, but you've gone from situation of summer. I'm a one person that hates to hark back to it, but you have to. You're in that situation to now being within... 
within touching distance of making League One. Yeah, we are in the sweetest of sweet spots between fans and club at the moment in terms of atmosphere and the enjoyment of this side. And I think it's just because they they like to attack and score goals, you know, and we're playing some wonderful, wonderful stuff. I don't think the club have done nearly as much as others would do to try and force it. I think it's a very organic, very natural romance at the moment between between the club and the fans and well as they say you love to see it yeah you love it and it doesn't it doesn't even feel much of a um doesn't feel forced no that's what i was going to say there's not been loads and loads going on in the build-up to this game of course you've had tweets and some media coverage but you know it's very much the relationship is just that yep we love our club we know what we have to do and and ben garn is kind of appreciative of that and that's the way it is there's nothing that seems forced or kind of commercial about the whole setup. You know, Swindon Town could have been in their own right of saying, okay, right, we've got all this support. Let's release a, you know, retro kit for the playoffs or something like that. But it's all been very just kind of well-mannered, here for the fans, here to watch our team in the playoffs. And, and that's it. And, and like you said, you love to see it. I do, I do. And I also love to hear your questions. Shall we go? Let's go through them. Hi, Ben. Good morning. Just a couple as always, really. Um, on, on the players training this week, you said that you, you kind of had to train them in a little bit. Have, have you seen... That little bit of extra enthusiasm from players wanting to get into the starting side for this match than maybe you had prior to the playoffs? No, I think we've had that throughout the season, if I'm honest. I don't think I mean, every every game this season, um, there's been a really healthy competitiveness. Um, there's players obviously are disappointed when they're not in the team, but importantly, we've got that respect for the ones that are in the team and they throw their support behind them. So that group culture and understanding that the group comes first has been a big a big part of what we've been able to achieve so far this season. Um, but this week, as always, we the ones that are going to start the game have had a certain amount of, of work and loading and the, the ones that aren't starting have had more and extra training and extra development because we want to keep improving them as players. But also an opportunity could come at any point and they need to be ready. And it's our job as a coaching staff to make sure that they're ready in every aspect, not just physically, but in, in every aspect of the game that if if called upon in the fifth minute tomorrow, in the, in the 10 minutes to go in the second leg, they're ready to go. Yeah, and, and just on that point, subs always have the potential to have a big impact. But, you know, in a lot of games, you probably don't see it as much, you know, if you're cruising 3-0 with, with 20 minutes left, for example. But how how important is it to have these subs ready for these next two matches? Because, like you said, it only takes one moment and you're through to Wembley. It's absolutely huge. And... Um, I've given the example to the players here of uh, when I, with Crystal Palace and we won the playoff final, um, Stuart O'Keefe was on the bench, um, had, hadn't played that much that season and unfortunately one of the central midfield players got injured. He came on in the final and was absolutely magnificent. Game of his life, he, he was incredible that day. So, And even the recent games for us, um, even closing stages against Forest Green, for example, um, against Walsall, you know, the players coming on, um, Akinodomeo coming on and coming into the team against Barrow. Uh, Jake O'Brien, very young young d- defender, still learning the game and, and has done it really well for us, coming on against Forest Green, coming on against Walsall and showing the maturity to be able to do that. That's just as important for a player as sometimes starting a game. Um, from my perspective, whether a player's played 45 games this season, whether they've played two, it, it makes no difference. I value every single player at this football club um, and if someone plays 
85 minutes tomorrow and someone comes on for the last five, it's just as important. It's just as important to what we do as a group. And, and you touched on Crystal Palace there and your experience then. Well, does that kind of influence any of what you've been doing building up to the playoffs and the way that you deal with it, the fact that you've been there and you've kind of done it at a high level as well? I think that experience was was a positive one and there was lots of learning in it, lots of lots to take from it. Um, and I think, you, you you know, we're all a, a combination of the experiences in our life and and that was a fantastic experience for me. Um, and it certainly helped in, in this respect now. But it's a completely new situation. Um, but I just think you, you learn through every experience, positive, negative, indifferent. That's what gets us to where we are today. And um, you've got to use that experience to make yourself uh, the best possible person you can be and do the right things today. And hopefully that will then improve things moving forward. And finally, just on yourself, what does this season say about you? Because you, you came in crisis situation, you've marauded your way through different players being hooked back to parent clubs at a key stage in the season, you've had injuries and, and now you've gone on a run just for the playoffs and made it in. So what does this season say about you, do you think? I think it just says about us as a group, if I'm honest, it's about all the hard work that everyone has put in from from day one. And I think the humility that everyone has shown at this football club as well to to come into the situation and just to knuckle down and, and get on with the jobs and have a real desire to drive and improve this football club. Um, so I just think it is a real collective effort this season. And um, I'm really fortunate to... I've had a fantastic group of players, fantastic staff, um, not just my coaching staff, but all staff around the, around the football club. And I think we got the minimum we deserved, if I'm honest, for, for the season we had and some of the difficulties we've had. Um, and now we want to enjoy these players. We want to attack them and, and hopefully can have a really memorable end to the season. Brilliant. Good luck tomorrow, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Extra enthusiasm then. So, as we discussed earlier, we really don't want players being hurt by their own but it can only be seen as a good thing that they want to they want to put in a shift before the big games exactly that it's it's it was a question really that i just wanted to ask about you know the fact that is are you seeing anything extra that's making you think about things going into this in, into this weekend um and as you heard bengan say yeah you know he's had to kind of step in a little bit and kind of get people to 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 calm themselves down a little bit and, and also hark back to this this kind of group culture. So it's you know it's been a really big part of what they've been trying to build at Swindon Town this season. And I've never I don't think I've ever heard a manager, regardless of what division they're in, speak as much about culture and and um, a team environment as what Ben Garner does. But you know he said that in in training this this week this. The, the ones who start have had a certain amount of load and the ones who don't are ready in every aspect if they're called upon. But the group culture has been a big part of what we've been able to achieve this season. It's, it's very, it feels very lovey-dovey, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I think it's interesting and it leads on to what you asked next about impact subs because I think there must be an element for some of the fringe players who will be on the bench. They know they don't stand a chance of being in that 11. Most of them will be comfortable in the knowledge that there's not much they can do to get the current 11 displaced right there, yeah. there, there is unless there's a formation change there's there's no way any of those players are going to impress Bengana in midweek enough to get them into that lineup so yeah hey you might as well just 
do your bit and be a part of the squad and, you know, make sure that the, those ahead of you are at the top of their game to make sure that we get to Wembley and hopefully League One. Well, you've just summed it up perfectly, Rich. And, you know, if this is my last season covering Swin Town, I'll have to, you know, make a pitch for you to, to take over from me because that's exactly, you know, how it actually is. There's, there's no way that these players will get into the team, which sounds harsh of me to say so, but why should they when we're on this brilliant run of form? But there's also the potential impact. of some... I didn't want to throw too much caution to the wind because what I really want to say is Bengana, you know, you don't typically make many decisive subs in games. He doesn't. He's not a fan of them, is he? He doesn't really like to change things around too much. He has a lot of trust in the players that are out on pitch. But he harked back to the fact of his, his Crystal Palace there, uh, days there when he was under Ian Holloway in 2013, they earned promotion um, in the playoffs. And, and he gave the example of someone I've never heard of, Rich, but Stuart O'Keefe um, was on the bench, hadn't played much that season, came on, produced a game of his life and, and, up, and up Palace went. And that's the impact that we'll be looking for from Swindon players going this weekend. You know, if you look down that bench, I know you mentioned a few there, but there's a couple of players that can have a big impact, the likes of Ben Gladwin, Jaden Mitchell Orson, who we've not seen loads of this season, but he does have talent in him. Attacking-wise, Ricky Aguilar, he went for a spell where he was brilliant for Swindon. He was scoring goals and he was kind of cementing his place in midfield. He's dropped out. And, and of course, imagine the, the opportunity for Harry Parsons to come on and grab his first Swindon goal, eh, Rich, in, in the playoffs to send Swindon to Wembley. You, I, I might just start writing the headline already. Well, please do, especially if it comes to fruition. But I think the point, I think, and I kind of got the feeling this is where you were heading towards. I mean, defensively, and I'm going to go American yeah. here, and I'm so sorry, but defensively, our backup options are sound yeah. in terms of our goalkeeping options. Absolutely sound. But offensively, attacking-wise, on the basis of a 46-game season, if our three attacking players aren't cooking on gas... Um, over the playoffs, then we're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, we are. There's not much attacking support from the bench, is there? You know, you have to... It's such a delicate thing, you know. You you have to almost nurse these players through the playoffs because, God forbid, you know, any injury to the likes of Harry McCurdy and that could straight away kind of derail any hopes of of making it to Wembley. But you're right, you look down at bench, doesn't feel much confidence, but Ben Garner will be hoping that his players are ones that rise to the big occasion. And I hope they are as well. And there's nothing to suggest that our current three are going to do that. But if injuries come in or you need that 95th minute winner, we don't have that Rory Fallon option, No, I guess, is where I'm going down. And that happens. And if that meant, you know, not having that option meant that we have Mandela Egbo, who's been sensational, then so be it. You know, it's it's, it's, a, it's a calculated risk mm. and one that has paid off so far. It's just that we have had games where, say, McCurdy has been off the boil. We yeah. have had frustrating moments for Davison and, and, and Barry does blow hot and cold. But we've not seen any of that in the last four or five games so you know shut up rich exactly long may it continue that this is the big occasion this is what the players have been working hard for all season i'm expecting nothing but a you know seven out of ten performance from every player over the playoffs uh for swindon town because i think that the fact that they've worked so hard to get to this position the fact that they've had to build what they've built this season the swindon players know 
the writing's on the wall for them and they're going to go and achieve that. Crystal Palace experience. So Ben Garner has a little bit of playoff experience, as you've mentioned, with Stuart O'Keefe. You mean your massive disrespect <laughs> to the <laughs> poor guy, you know, who's played at the championship level for a few years. He's, he's going down the leagues now a little bit, but shame on you. I think, I think having a little bit of experience, even if you're not the main man, does go a long way because it does give you that opportunity to observe things more and be an apprentice to what is something that has to be done right. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? The playoffs, very few managers get to experience being in charge of a club in the playoff situation, whether that's League One, League Two or the Championship. Um, but Ben Garner, we, we mentioned it previously, he did have that experience 2013 with Ian Holloway. What what a manager have to experience with because, of course, he's he's had so many ups and downs in his career that you probably Ben Garner was able to learn a lot from him. But he said, look, you know, you learn from every situation and you have to learn from those experiences to make yourself the best possible person you can be. And I think Ben Garner's almost, he's a manager for me or a head coach, whatever you want to call him, that is, is very keen to learn on failures and also very keen to learn on successes. I think he's learned a lot from his time at Bristol Rovers. He's learned a lot from making the playoffs with Crystal Palace. Uh, sorry, getting promoted to Crystal Palace, I should say. I think he's learned a lot from this season with Swindon Town. And, and the manager that started the season with the Robins compared to the one we now see, I think it's a very d- different character as well. And finally... The season is coming to an end. <laughs> Who would have um, thought, eh? <laughs> uh, well, it's been funny because, you know, a lot of my colleagues in the Swindon Town content game have been, you know, talking about their season reviews. And, well, I flatly refuse to do it until the season is over and we're still there. And I'm not handing anyone player of the year until they haven't done a rick in the last minute at Wembley or something like that. So, so, um, so you know, we've still got a few games left. but. You, it's perfectly fair to reflect on the 46 game element of it. It's been a great season for Swindon. There we go. I've just saved myself an hour and a half recording in a week or so's time um, with the with the guys. But I think what is absolutely clear is there is a really strong bond between this group of players. And that has been a, a contributing factor to the success because from everything I hear, Ghana's you know he works them hard you know he's he's a bit of a he's a bit of a a teacher you know he, i don't think it's always fun for no. the players but they see what ben Garner is trying to do and it's paying off so you're not going to rebel against that i think that's very much the point of you know, we spoke about the culture that ben Garner's created i think he has to have that in place first in order to then get people working as hard as as he wants them to work you know so Football is one of those games whereby you have to have a, a collective, of, a, a team collective, whereby you have no individuals kind of going off on their own and and trying to be there in person. You really have to have everyone fully invested in the team, and that's what he's been able to do. And everyone seems to have bought into his tactics, which perhaps shown what went wrong at Bristol, whereby a lot of people probably didn't buy into what he was trying to do. But he's a man for the crisis situation, isn't he? Seems Ben Garner. Yeah, unless. Ben Garner throws us all the ultimate curveball. We'll see Lewis Ward, Ellis Iandolo, Dion Conroy, Matthew Baudry, Mandela Agbo, Lou Reed, Johnny Williams, Jack Payne, Louis Barry, Harry McCurdy and Josh Davidson start against Port Vale. Don't expect a huge amount of difference there. There might be a fifth defender. We'll see. But let's, let's stick to... Let's stick to that. Let's stick to that 11. Give me a prediction, though. I'm going to... I'm going to say 1-1, but I do think we're going to go through. But I'm going to say 1-1. I don't know why, but I'm thinking something even better. I'm thinking 3-1. 
Yeah, well, that's much better than one one. I'd absolutely love to go with a buffer. I, I guess I'm thinking of playoff history, um, even though they don't doesn't have any bearing on this game at all. I think back to games against Brentford at home, one one, where we really should have won and and um, we didn't. Late penalty. I think back to Dion Burton scoring a consolation against Charlton when we should have been home and dry. Thinking when Brighton beat us 1-0 at the county ground where we should have beat them. You know, these things happen. Um, I'd love the buffer that we got against Tramier, that's for sure, because that allowed us to make mistakes at Prenton Park in the in the second leg in 93. But yeah, I think I think we're going to win at Vale Park and I think we're going to draw at the county ground and give the 2,200 um, lucky supporters a fantastic moment um, before we uh, stress about Wembley. That's the dream, but I, I'll take 3-1 all day long. So will I, so, which is why it's probably not going to happen. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, massive good luck to Bengana and all the players and I hope everyone gets through the Saturday because... 12 o'clock kickoff, that'll speed, that won't drag Sunday. So um, up the town, Ryan. Thank you very much. Up the town. Thank you very much, everyone. Magira. Gabalondo. Cuts inside. He's going to tee this up. 1 0. It's number 29, Lucas Magira. Runs straight to Paolo Di Canio. He takes the applause. Good play down the right. Hello, Steve. Hi, Rich. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. There's a little bit of feedback on here, but I, I'm sure it'll improve in time, and I would, I'll do, I'll do stuff in the edit. But thank you very much for joining uh, the pod for this. Um, if you could just introduce yourself and what podcast you represent. Yeah, hi, I'm I'm Steve, and I support Port Vale, and I'm representing the Ale and the Vale podcast. Um, <clears throat> we tend to have like three or four of us who rotate with the two main guys. And I'm one of the guys who who comes on probably you know once a month or sometimes a bit more if somebody's doing something. But the Ale and the Veil was settled by a friend of mine and his two mates. He emigrated to Canada, and the time difference and his young family meant he couldn't watch the Veil anymore. And I think he felt a bit of a fraud because he went from going Veil home and away week in week out to uh, just watching them on iFollow. So uh, that when he left, we you know three of us stepped in, and it's you know we're similar to you guys. We've just interested in Vale. There's no affiliation with the club, which means we can be as um, honest as we want. And if we, and if they want to upset a few people, they can do, which which has happened. Um, but yeah, but it's they're good guys. It's it's really good fun to do. Lovely stuff. Okay, well, it's been a fun week where we've been collectively bickering about allocations <laughs> and things like that. We, we're not going to dwell too much on that. But how are you feeling? Um, if you'd ask me, it's an odd one, this one. If we start with the allocations, I think Vale have pretty much sold out the away end. Um, there were people starting to queue last night from about 7 o'clock. I think they probably need to find something better to do the time. But anyway, um, so I think we will fill our end to you. I don't know. We, do you think you'll do the same? Obviously, it's, it's been very difficult for you because it's on a Thursday night. We've got the... We've got the better end of the gig, being able to drive corners. I know it's a 12 o'clock kickoff, but we can come down. So, but yeah, the atmosphere should be good. And I think there'll be about 14,000 at Vale. What will there be at Swindon? 
Well, we've sold out our home allocation, so that went on general sale on Wednesday and sold out within 20, 30 minutes, um, the remaining tickets after the season ticket holders got theirs. Um, and the away tickets, by the time people listen to this, um, they would have gone on sale. So we'll see what it's all about. It's, it's funny because I think some would have, might have liked to see how the first leg <laughs> went yeah. on. I think I think 2,200 is fair in allocation, especially with, I think the trains are a nightmare um, for Vail away. So on a midweek. So we'll, we'll see, not making any excuses. I think I think we'll take a, a healthy crowd. I, I, I want it to sell out. I expect it to sell out. But I, I think it will go to general. Um, but Swindon fans keep proving me wrong. You know, we, we, we sold two stands to Walsall. So and there was nothing riding on it um, at the time when it was sold out. So, you know, people were just buying it for the last game of the season. You know, it was our season was slipping away when when that went on sale. So we'll see. Um, but it's going to be two big crowds, and that's all that matters. Yeah, we we went to Walsall. They wouldn't. Get, they gave you a lot more tickets than us. I mean, it's no secret. Walsall hate Vale. They are. They absolutely. When they beat us two 0 we've had a very, very. We had a very bad run when we lost four in a row. We went from being like four points clear um, after the Harrogate thing, and then to only just looking like we would. I, I didn't think we'd make the playoffs. If I'm honest, I thought we'd slip right out. And we went to Walsall, who have got nothing to play for. They beat us 2-0. They were, they were invading the pitch with their Poundland army and stuff like that. It was, Walsall, they, they were always going to roll. If, if Walsall thought that you beating them would, would hinder us, they would have rolled over and their bellies tickled with the greatest of pleasure. So I think we took about 2,000. And then we went down to Exeter on Saturday. And that was a really, really good day out. And we won 1-0. It was a classic away performance really they had all the possession and they are a very very good side there's no doubt about it it was a bit of a smash and grab for us so and we find ourselves playing you guys so there we are from my side of things had you done what we all expected and not won at Exeter I think Swindon fans would be you know licking their lips at this fixture because you had lost those three games previously but Exeter had so much going (laughs) on in that game and for you to keep a clean sheet and to beat them was a big, big surprise. Your season, it's been outstanding. You know, you've been, it, 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 the periods of the season where it matters, you've been top 10 all season long. And it wasn't that long ago, really, right at the end, appreciate games in hand come into it. But you're in the top three and then those those three games sort of killed it. But I didn't, I didn't think there was any doubt that you would slip out of the, that you wouldn't slip out of the uh, playoffs. Yeah, we... We basically seemed to run out of steam after Hartlepool. We went to Hartlepool away and there was some criticism from other clubs that we over-celebrated. Um, and I think a bit of that could be true, but the context of the situation is, I'm sure some of your listeners know, but D- Daryl Clark, our manager, had been on compassionate leave. He had a family bereavement. That was his first game back. We won 1-0 away and we didn't play particularly well at Hartlepool, to be honest. Um, but we sneaked to win. We went four points clear. There was a lot of maybe overzealous celebrations if you're looking from the outside in. But with the context, I know I might be biased, it, it wasn't what people made it out to be. But then we just seemed to run out of steam. We didn't play well at Walsall. Newport, I don't know if anyone saw it, they did a job on us. And the Bristol Rovers, if there's one side I wouldn't... I thought the best two sides I've seen at Vale Park this year are you guys 
and I didn't want I wanted Bristol Rovers to go up. The circumstances are a bit dubious for me personally with what Scunthorpe did. But I, if we'd have played Bristol Rovers in the playoffs, I wouldn't give us a hope in hell. But then we like you say, we go to Exeter and it's been a bit of a pivot really because from having no confidence, you expect the players to be a lot more confident. Whether that it certainly makes it a more even a more even game, I think, that the that we've got a bit more confidence in you guys. You know, we finished on very similar points. So it's there should be two evenly matched sides. You know, we won at your place, you won at our place. After Harry McCurdy got our keeper sent off. But um <laughs> well I do, you know, I joking aside, obviously what our keeper did was, was mental. Um so yeah, well I'm looking forward to Sunday and then I'm looking forward to the to the home leg as well. So yeah, it's all good. Daryl Clark is back having uh Andy Crosby, I mean, what was it, 17 games he looked after Vale? So a massive achievement from him. What, what can we expect on Sunday from Vale? How, how would you expect them to set up? We'll, we will, I think we will we'll, we'll definitely set up with three centre-halves and two wing-backs, which we've been playing all season. Um, and then we'll, we'll, I think we'll try and keep it tight. There's no doubt about it. The, the games we've lost recently, we've conceded poor goals. And we haven't looked like scoring a lot up the other end either. I think our game plan will be to keep it in tight and see if we can nick something. Don't expect us to, to come out Auckland's blazing in a, and, and try and slug it out with you in the middle of the park. I think you've got, you know, we were talking before, I think you've got some really good players and I think we need to be in the game when, when they come back to, when they come back to Vale. But by the same token, we've got a couple of players with a goal in them. And we only have got two or three really good players ourselves. So it'll be one of them. But I think we'll try and keep it tight. And if we can come away with a 1-0 win, then that'll I'll be ecstatic. You know, if it's 0-0 or even if we're 1-0 down, I wouldn't be too heartbroken. But I think the first leg, obviously, it's going to be pivotal. But I think it'll see where we are. And I, like I said to you, I was really, really impressed when you came to our place. The game changed when Lucas got sent off for assaulting McCurdy. Um but you were the better side anyway. And the down to 10 men sort of masks the difference between the two sides for me, to be honest. It was a remarkable moment, wasn't it? Unbelievable. But um, he's been since replaced in the lineup, hasn't he? Uh, third keeper this year, Aidan Stone, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Lucas hasn't played since that day. Wow. Now, I, we've had, we've gone, we signed Chris Hoy from Ipswich and. Um, he no sorry that's a cyclist holy sorry we signed holy from from Ipswich and the only thing Holy had going for him was he's about six foot nine he wasn't a particularly good keeper so we tried him for a bit that didn't work we've gone back to Aidan Stone who's who's young and inexperienced a lot of fans me included would have brought Lucas back in you know I'm one of these people he saved his penance he is the best keeper at the club he's a good keeper Lucas is but whether he ever plays for Vale again is very much open to debate. Um, but he's not been seen since since that day. And obviously, Vale have got a bit of previous with McCurdy. But on that day, for all whatever McCurdy might be, he did nothing wrong. You know, He wasn't even really challenging for the ball. It, it was what, what Lucas did was madness, and it, and it definitely cost Vale the game. I always watch that clip, and I think that Lucas expected McCurdy to go in closer so he'd get away with it, but McCurdy kind of backed off <laughs> and left it for everybody to see. Yeah. It, was, it was really, really strange. Who who are the standout... Who are the people that we should be looking at and fearing? The first one is James Wilson. He was at United for a long, long time. He's, he was de- 
team to be the next big thing. He's actually from the same town as me. He's, he's very local to Vale, but obviously he was at United. And I doubt you may or may not remember, he scored a couple of goals on his debut. Then he did his crucial ligaments and he sort of drifted out from United. And then he's just been up and down the leagues. He's never really settled. He came to Vale and he's just been amazing. He's got a first touch, which which isn't shouldn't be in League Two. You'll, you'll, you'll see it for yourselves. Like, you know, League Two's a hair and scare and the league. And, but Willow, he just bring it down. He's a he's just a class, class act. Um, you know, he's got 13 or 14 goals this season. And he, he had a long, he had about two and a half months out injured as well on that. So Wilson's one. And we've got a lad in midfield, Ben Garrity, who's really handy at breaking into the box late, especially away from home when we don't have as much possession. And he's, and he's also got 12 goals this season. So there's those two. And, the, and our other centre-forward, Proctor, he's been about a bit, but he's been a revelation for us as well. So our, our, our goal threats are those three players, and they are all capable of, of scoring against you. Apart from that, maybe Connor Hall's a very, very good centre-half. He could nick one from a set-piece. But you are looking at Wilson, Garrity and Proctor for our goals. If, say, James Wilson... Ben Garrity score after 15 minutes. Do you expect Port Vale to just shut up shop? Or do you think they'll they'll go uh, play a little bit more? How do you no, think it'll go? we'll shut up shop. We, I, I think there's no doubt about it. We are very... We're a tired side. I don't mean that in it like we're old, but we you know our best holding midfielder, Brad Walker, he's injured. Our captain, Tom Conlon, who's a really, really good player, he's been out all season. So our midfield are the walking wounded, really. Tom Pett's decent. He's just come back to fitness. Um, our two wing-backs, I don't know if you know David Worrell. Um, he's played at a higher level, but he's just knackered now. I don't mean like he's just run out of steam for this season. So our, our wing-backs are pivotal the way, to the way they play, to the, to the way we play. And they look a bit tired, to be honest. So I just, I can't see us. And I think we'd, we'd be mad because I I know some of your players, Johnny Williams, Jack Payne. We don't want to be let, letting them get the, the wrong side of our midfield, especially early doors. And we don't want to concede early either. No, it's really interesting, really, because it, it, I think... There's that feeling of tiredness. I guess it's a 46-game season, isn't it? I think we're all feeling a bit tired. And that's, again, we're probably just as relieved that Bristol Rovers went up automatically than everybody else, even though Northampton's form is actually quite good, despite that last day heartbreak. Um, You deserve to be there, 100%, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the the season, you finish where you finish, don't you? 46 games. We've had a lot of bad luck with injuries. But then I think you only ever see your own injuries, don't you, as a football fan? I always see that Wilson and Proctor and our captain, our three best players probably, or were out injured for a long time. But I know, but every club, you know, every single club has injuries, and ours came at the wrong time, really, um, during the COVID spell. So the games were coming thick and fast. We went two months without a single centre forward. I mean, we had Devante Rodney, who had the makings of a fantastic. He's got Devante Rodney as everything you need to be a decent championship centre-forward, except he neglected to show it anywhere. So we had, we had to pay him off to Walsall. So we've got two our backup strikers, the two young lads, one Edmondson from Leeds, he's a handful, and Kean Hannant from um, Huddersfield. But Hannant's only ever played academy football. 
and Edmondson's played 50-odd League 2 games, but he's been loaned down and stuff. But they're decent. But, you know, like I say, for a while we had no centre-forwards. So for us to hang around in the playoffs was a, was, was a good achievement. And I think at the start of the season, if you said to any Vale fan, well, you'll face the top six and you'll be, the, you'll be away in the first leg of the playoffs, they'd have snapped your hand off. What happened was we were we were doing a lot better than that. We were we were third in the league. We've got a good points buffer. Then we nosedived. So people's expectations sort of changed. Now I don't know if you know the James song, the Sit Down. There's a line in that one where Tim Booth sings, "If I hadn't seen such riches, I could live with being poor." And that's what happened to us. Really, we were in the top three. We at one at one point we had our eye on trying to win the league, and then we just crashed. You know the last four games, and that's where we're at. Up until about three weeks ago, there was this sort of rhetoric with Swindon fans saying that it's too soon for us to go up. Something that I never really subscribed to. I'm not going to even say it. Really, I absolutely didn't. Is it is it do or die for Port Vale? Do you think this season for both Swindon and Port Vale? Because if you look at the National League, Stockport are throwing money about with Gay Bandon and Wrexham, owned by Deadpool, of course. Just not they're not far from here either. If they come up, they will go again. So they will make the league stronger. I think for both Vale and for Vale, this is if we don't get out of the league this time, and it'll be the same for you guys as well, or any of us in the playoffs, I think next year will be harder. Because of because of you know, assuming both Wrexham and Stockport come up, that is, you know, they've got say they've both got money, they're ambi- I mean Wrexham have got Paul Mullen, they signed the lad from, from Wimbledon for three hundred k, and they're a national league side, so they're going to go again. So Stockport have got Stockport lose tens of thousands of pounds a week, but the owner just rides it off. So I do think it's do one. If we don't go up, we've still had a good season because we changed our entire squad in this in the summer. We we've got, we've got about four players who stayed only because they were under contract, and one of them, David Moo comes off from the bench every now and again. So we have had, with everything that's gone on with the manager, with the injuries, we have had a good season. Will we be incredibly disappointed if we don't go up? Absolutely well be good. In in my head, I can only think of one playoff spell for Port Vale. Uh, mate, we, this is a big debate we're having in our own WhatsApp group. The last time we were in the playoffs, I think was 1994, and we won the Autoglass Trophy the week before. And then we played West Brom. Peter Swan got sent off after uh, about 20 minutes. And West Brom hammered us 4-0. Not that I'm bitter, but we'd finished third in the league and beaten them twice. And we were ahead. And, we that was, and then the last time before that was 89, when we did get out of the league. I can just about remember that. But we've been really poor for 20 years, really. We've had a, a couple of good seasons, one promotion. We've gone through... Bit like you guys, we've gone through some interesting owners, many of whom have not had the best best interest of the club at heart. One of whom, no, Norman Norman Smithway, you know, I hope he never ever gets to own another football club again. He absolutely held our current owners to ransom to buy the club. He was, oh, well, you know, he just he wasn't in it for anything else other than greed and avariciousness. And to get rid of him was a major, major thing for Vale because he threatened to close us down twice. Uh, so, yeah, but like you, we've gone through bad owners. So we've come out of the other side and we've had a good season. But we want to go up. And I, 
and I look at you, I see quite a few similarities with your ownership. You had a slow start, but you bedded in. And you've got some good players. I've, I've said I'm not going to talk about what happens if we don't make the playoffs to the squad because it's not it's not worth thinking about at the <laughs> yeah. moment because yeah. it'll be it won't it won't be pretty. But yeah, I mean it's funny because my first ever Swindon game was Swindon versus Port Vale. We lost, so I have this awkward relationship with Vale because I'm still bitter over that two one loss in 1990. <laughs> but at the same time, just like you said at the start. There was when I was more pick and choose with home games, I would always pick Port Vale because we would win five yeah. or five nils. I think there were three games where we scored sixteen combined, you know. It was it was insane. It's like, oh go to the Port Vale game. Why? Because we'll score five goals, you know. It's uh, it was it was but it's it's narrowed down and now we have this and and the fact that you won at the county ground, which isn't that much of achievement because we were losing a lot of the county ground and winning away at that stage of the season. I'm 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 still just as nervous. I love the playoffs. I think they're great. We've had our fair share of victories and our fair share in modern history of failures, but I think they really I think they really complement the the league well. Yeah, I I agree. In leagues one and two, you need the playoffs because to keep the you need to you know if League One and League Two clubs survive on a fans' attendance, and if you haven't got interest from the playoffs from the teams up from you know, from anything from twelfth up to tenth. The tendencies will die off and that that will kill clubs. No, I'm I'm a big fan of the playoffs. I just haven't been to that many playoff that many playoff games because we've never been near them. You're there now and I hope you enjoy it. But I hope you lose. But what prediction are you giving me? Head and heart. Yeah, head and heart. My heart says that we will we will win one nil at your place. James Wilson will score after about seven minutes. And then we will not only park the bus, we will park a fleet of buses and you will hit the woodwork. I've all cleared off the line. McKeard, you'll miss five open goals, four one-on-ones and then get sent off. <laughs> then get sent off. And, then we'll, and then we'll just grind out a nil-nil at our place. My head says that it will be very, I think it will be very, very tight. And I think it will change. I think it could be a mistake or two or a bit of magic, you know. And obviously, McCurdy, he scored a lot of goals for you. He isn't a fan of our club for, for various reasons, I suppose. So he's going to fancy it. And I'd really like it. If, you, if you've got to beat us, please, God, not Harry McCurdy. Because he will, as he's entitled to do, I'm not, you know, because, you know, if you give it out, you've got to take it. He will be celebrating in front of our fans and it will be a bitter pill to, a bitter pill to swallow, to be honest. Well, I think it'll be tight, but I think we could just about nick it. Young Harold only played a handful of games at Port Vale. What went wrong? Um, how long have you got? First of all, the the previous manager never wanted to sign Harry McCurdy. McCurdy was out of contract. He'd fallen out with various managers and various clubs. But the problem with a player like Harry McCurdy is every manager thinks they can be the one to tame the beast turn him into a, a professional, good professional player, and he'll score he'll score you 30 goals. So we signed him on that pretext. And manager didn't want him. They had a very, very uneasy relationship. Some of the stories you heard about McCurdy in training are classic um footballer doesn't want to be there stories, you know, storming off, not turning up. Um so he never got a chance on the pitch. Vale were very bad when McCurdy wasn't playing. So the fans clamoured for McCurdy to play. 
So John Askey did that old Majors thing where he uh, hung McCurdy out to dry, played him at wing back for a bit, you know, for half a game. Never gave him a chance. Um, and understandably from what McCurdy was up to. And then Daryl Clark came in. And Daryl Clark, by his own admission, is the ultimate man manager. If there's a bad egg or a player who's needs their arm around him, Daryl's the man. But for some reason, he didn't fancy McCurdy. And then, you know, we, we just let him go. But everybody who's seen Harry McCurdy play, whichever club knows he is a, he's a better than League Two. Wouldn't you agree? He's a better than League Two centre forward. Oh, McCurdy and Swindon have really complemented each other this year. And we've, we've played to his strengths um, and got the most out of him, which I think is the first team to do that. Yeah, yeah. No, cre- all credit to your management team. You know, you have been the ones, you guys have been the ones who've been able to uh, open Pandora's box and turn something decent out of it. He's a, you know, when he played against us at Vale, he was a class above his, his link-up play, his movement, um, his, his goal. Well, he didn't actually score, did he? It was no goal. But everything about McCurdy as a football player is class. Uh, off the pitch. Obviously, I've never met Harry McKinney, so I only hear what I hear. But when you've gone through as many clubs and as managers as he has, there must be something about him that means he, he struggles to settle down. But, you know, I'd like, you know, I'm one of these people. If he can turn his life around and in a good living out of football, score loads of goals, good luck to him. I prefer him not to be against us. But, you know, why not? You know, if he makes the most of his talent and he has got a lot of talent. Fair dues. I hope next season he scores thirty goals and he and you get promoted from League Two. <laughs> well, there's there's only there's only one player in your squad that could come back to haunt us in theory, and that is uh, Chris Hussey, who didn't have the greatest spell with Swindon. Is he is he likely to feature? He will not feature. I don't think he went off injured against Exeter. Hussey was an odd signing for Vale. We signed him and we paid money for him in. Um, in January from Cheltenham. He's 34 now. And I think he came in as backup, but he played the first few games. He's experienced. He's wily. He's got a hell of a left foot on him, a hell of a left foot on him. But the last few games, um, he came back into the side. For the last few games, he was not good. We dropped him. He came back into the side for Exeter, only lasted about 10 minutes before he limped off. So I would imagine our two wing-backs will be Mal Benning and James Gibbons. Gibbons, he's a good player. He's he would play to he will play at a higher level, whether he whether that's with Vale or without. But he's had a lot of injuries this season. And, and Benning is experienced, you know, he's he's good. But Hussey, I don't think Hussey will play. I, I don't think he'd be a fit to, and I don't think he'd be selected anyway. He'll be on the bench for the second leg and I'll be worried. He'll be, yeah, he'll be on the Judy Dench and score from thirty five yards <laughs> or something. Uh, <laughs> no, okay. Well, Steve, that was brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, good luck, but I hope you lose. Yeah, no problem. I, I shall be making my me and my me and my brother and my friends. We'll be making our way down to the county ground about half past seven from from Stoke, and we'll you know I hope it's a good game and and we win. And I hope you know. And also, I hope that the, the both stadiums are full. The club, both clubs, make loads of money because that's very important to us, as I'm sure it is to you. And we. Give a decent. I mean, every time we've been on Sky this year, we have been appalling, absolutely appalling. You know, I've got a lot of friends who, obviously, Stoke are a bigger club than us, and a lot of my mates support them and they batter us. Is it, is it really that shit in League Two? Christ, if you're at the top of League Two, so I hope you know it's a de- it's a decent game which we win. Until then. Good run by him and now Matt Stoll.
The Low Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Ferry on the ball. He's got Ward with him. Timing of the pass is crucial. A touch and shoot. Yes. You bet. You bet. 2-0 Swindon. Danny Ward. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.